buying a home? Don't panic. Just listen to the rest of this podcast. Welcome to my podcast, everybody. My name is John LaForme. I'm a certified home inspector and the owner of Home Inspection Authority. My podcast allows me to share my day-to-day home inspection experiences and knowledge to help home buyers, homeowners, realtors, and other home inspectors set realistic expectations with each other during the home buying process. It's, it's not a huge issue, I don't think, in your industry. Um, trademark is much more valuable in your industry. Copyright is really for artists, for musicians, for filmmakers, for authors, people that are creating artistic works. Uh, that's who it's there to protect. And, and that's one of the biggest differences. It's a nice segue between copyright and trademark. Copyright is designed to protect the author. The person that created the artistic work is the one that copyright is there to protect. Trademark is not. Trademark is there to protect the public from being deceived. The added benefit to it is the owner of the trademark gets to sue the other guy for infringing his stuff. But what it's really there to do is to keep people from palming off fake goods on society. Yeah, piggybacking. Yep. All right, so here we go. You're up. Trademark. Trademark. (laughs) Ah, God. Uh, In a nutshell, trademark protects a source of goods and services. It identifies stuff, okay? So when you buy that can with a red swoosh on it and the white lettering, and it's got that warm, fuzzy brown stuff in it, you know that that's Coca-Cola because that's their trademark. And so you associate that thing with Coca-Cola. Now, trademark is not, as many people think, a monopoly on a word. There are a whole bunch of reasons that doesn't work. There are lots of people that have the same trademark and the same word, and they do completely different things. And the best example for that is Avon. Everybody's heard the term Avon. If you're a woman, you're thinking of cosmetics. If you're a golf guy, you're thinking about golf grips. If you're an aviation junkie, you're thinking about airplanes. They all have Avon trademarked. How is that possible? Because they're in different classes of goods right. and services. Different classes, yeah. Right. So if you're selling t-shirts, okay, um, you can call them anything but t-shirts. You can't use descriptive terms. There's an old, um, very early U.S. Supreme Court case or something that says uh, you cannot trade the work, you cannot trademark the word sandwich so that you can't have other people tell you what you're having for lunch. Okay. <laughs> so if you're if you're selling something under the brand name Apple, like Apple Computers, you can't be selling apples. Ah. It can't be a descriptive word. It has to be fanciful. That was good. That's a good point you just said there about the Apple. So Apple has the name Apple, but they can't sell apples. They can't apples. sell apples under it. I mean, they can sell them. They just can't get trademark protection for it. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, that, that's really interesting. And I was going to recommend that you use the analogy of the Coca-Cola thing. And you did. You just read my mind. That's the classic. I, I, that's what I figured. <laughs> uh, trademark. So, you know, for example, you know, I have a company called Home Inspection Authority. Uh, do you recommend I trademark that? It's already trademarked. That's right. I was just checking to see <laughs> if you're doing that. your homework. Why would I want to uh, trademark my my logo? Well, to protect the public from being deceived, of course. All right. <laughs> yeah. Which the reason that you want to protect your trademark is so people aren't out there knocking off your stuff. Right. Um, they're not using your name to generate business. Right. So if it's a similar name to mine, it's, is it, it, would that be considered an infringement thing? or The, the, the term of art is um, likelihood of confusion. Okay. So it likelihood. doesn't have to be exactly the same. So if you have Coke and you spell it C-O-K-E or C-O-C-K, right. 
<laughs> it's some, it's sort of the same, you know, if you're selling a warm, there, there was a great trademark case back in the, uh, in the seventies where somebody did a poster and it said cocaine, but it looked like the Coca-Cola symbol and they got sued out of existence. Oh, wow. And it wasn't copyright. It was trademark because they, they damaged the value of the name Coca-Cola. Yep. Associated with the drug trade. Yep. That's not smart. Some people, some people just, I had that poster growing up, by the way. <laughs> did did you get sued? <laughs> no, I was. No. Okay. So uh, that's also a federal action, right? Yes. So. Uh, you can sue in state court um, and you do not need to register a trademark uh, to sue for trademark infringement. The advantage of registration is massive. However, um, first off, when you sue somebody, there is, um, how do I put this? There are burdens of proof. I'm trying not to speak lawyer because it confuses people. And the, and the analogy I always me. use it confuses me. is think of a game of ping pong, right? You're serving. If you can't knock the ball over the net, it doesn't matter how well you play ping pong. You can't get a point, right? Right, right. So when you sue somebody, you have to be able to show a prima facie case of the elements of the claim. And in this case, with trademark infringement, that you have the right to use the mark in that class of goods and services, and you have the right to exclude other people from doing it. Those I are your see. elements, right? I see. Now, if, you, if you've been using it for 20 years and you've never registered it, you can show that you've been using it, and you can show, since you've been using it openly and notoriously for a long period of time, that people may know about it, and you can go through all that process. But if you're registered, all you got to do is walk in with a piece of paper that says trademark on it, and that's knocking the bowl over the net the first time. I see. Now it's up to them to start defending. Okay. Right. And right. the great thing about trademark is unlike copyright that expires after a certain period of time, trademarks will last forever. As long as you keep maintaining them, mm -hmm. you have to do a registration between the fifth and sixth year, the ninth and 10th year and every ninth and 10th year thereafter. Okay. And when you do the fifth to sixth year registration, there is a second document you can file with it um, called a section 15 notice of uh, incontestability. And that is a really, really expensive and really, really good piece of paper to have. It's not, I, when I say expensive, I don't mean for you, for the other guy, you can overcome a presumption in court. So if, if I walk into court with a trademark certificate, that is a presumption that I am entitled to use that mark. Now the other person would say, Hey, but I was using it first or Hey, you, you know, messed around and you weren't really using it. You were, you had it in development, but you weren't using it yet or something was wrong with your registration or it's generic or there's something else there are other defenses. Okay. But when a mark is incontestable after that fifth year registration period, the only way, pretty much the only way that somebody can beat a trademark claim is to show that you committed fraud on the trademark office when you applied for the mark in the first place. You weren't uh -huh. really using it or you made up the logo and, you know, you forged the documents or whatever. Right. And that's, most people aren't going to do that. They're not going to send right. forged that's, documents to, you know. That's got its own penalty. 96 Patent and Trademark Office. So, yeah, that would yeah. be a bad thing to do. Um, <laughs> but once you've got an incontestable trademark, it is a very difficult thing to fight. Right. Um, and as long as you keep renewing it in your ninth and 10th year cycles, you can use a trademark forever. Um, the other thing is it's really good if you get around to the point in time where you want to sell your business, because the value of your business, the goodwill of your business is tied up in the name. People know home inspection authority. They know that they think of you when they hire, look somebody, they're looking for that name and they come and they find you. 
Well, when you want to retire in 15 or 20 minutes, um, <laughs> you're going to want to sell that mark. You're going to want to sell your business. And yeah. if, if you haven't registered your mark, someone else can be out there knocking you off. Yeah. And the new owners never isn't going to be able to protect it as right. easily as if they've got a federally registered trademark. Right. So everybody listening out there, if you got a brand, if you got a nice logo that you created and all that stuff and a brand and you know, you want to, you want to maintain it, just get, get that trademarked. And if you don't know who to call, just look up a trademark attorney in your area. The uh, United States Patent and Trademark Office, I believe can refer you to people as well. Oh, okay. That's a good tip. Is that a website? Yeah. Uh, USPTO.gov. Okay. Just reads that off his tongue like it's nothing. <laughs> He's probably on there every day, right? Uh, I was on there several <laughs> times today, yes. One of them looking up you. Yeah. <laughs> Is that thing done yet? You know, when I do, like I said, I do a lot of searches online just to find photos and try to better explain stuff. And uh, I noticed that on some of them it says, images may be subject to copyright, learn more. Mm-hmm. So is that is that Google just trying to protect themselves, letting people know that this picture we have on our site, or is that the actual company, the person that owns that photo. I don't know. Um, could be either, could be both, could be neither. Um, like I said, there are some copyright tools out there. And right. so what they do is they tend to feed, um, Google and, and companies like that with images that they have watermarked. And that way they can trace, trace them online. There are little spider programs sure. out there. And so if you end up using one of those things and you haven't paid a license for it, that's copyright infringement. Getty images is brutal at that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen those. I've seen a lot of stuff from Getty. Uh, so back to the home inspection report, you talked about the copyright on that. So something just kind of came up uh, in my head here thinking. So I know you mentioned the photos. I get that totally. But what if I was to create a canned response in text about and that? Oh, that is like I created it. It's in my report and it only should only be in my report. What if another inspection company went online, took a, took my sample report and copy and pasted everything I have and stuck it on theirs. That would be copyright infringement because the layout of the report would be copied. Again, there's a difference between the formatting, the artistic part of building a report, a piece of paper. When you have this piece of paper, deciding to put the photo here and the text here and right. the logo on the side, all of that stuff is copyrightable. But again, if you don't register it every three months or within every three month window and somebody knocks it off, it's not going to be worth your time unless there's some major company and they're doing something stupid. Got it. Got it. Okay. Now what else about trademark do we need to be aware of? Um, What if somebody, what do we do if somebody comes after us? What, you know, make believe I'm a, like make believe I'm now going to be a defendant Mm -hmm. for a copyright or trade, a trademark, Trademark trademark claim. What do I do? Well, it depends what the basis of the claim is, okay? If you are selling a a widget in a particular class of goods and services and the person that's coming after you shows you a copyright or a trademark certificate, you know, that's 20 years old and it's incontestable and it's been re-registered a number of times and they sell widgets and you're using their name or something really, really close, the smart thing to do is probably to settle quickly before you spend a bunch of money and have to pay them, Um Many times people infringe on other people's intellectual property by mistake. Okay. I, I have, despite having been in the legal profession for going on 30 years, I'm still amazed that the lawyers tend to be more um, of questionable ethics than many of the clients. 
Uh, shocking. Mo- shocking, I tell you. Shocking, shocking. Um, most people, if they're screwing up, they're doing it unintentionally. Hang on. That's a cyber slap. Oh, That's okay. for all the people that are not doing a, a good service for their clients. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, usually what you'll get is you'll get a letter saying, hey, knock it off. We call those cease and desist letters. And most of the time, if you're not a jerk about it, you can just stop doing whatever they're telling you to stop doing and they'll go away and leave you alone. Uh, you should have a lawyer negotiate something and get a settlement agreement so that they don't come after you later and all of that. But most of the time for copyright and trademark, you'll get a knock it off letter. If you knock it off, it's usually over unless somebody wants to, you know, they've got a lawyer who's out there working on contingency where if they can pull a few thousand dollars out of your pocket, they can go to the movies next weekend or something. Right. So they drag you through the mud for no yeah, reason. They drag you for the mud yeah. because the, there's an attorney's fees clause. They're going to win. And it's, it's dumb of you, quite frankly, it's dumb of you to fight. Right. Got it. Don't fight. No, I, I'm not saying Unless, never fight. You should, you should do a little bit of research before yeah, you just yeah. capitulate. I mean, yeah. maybe they don't actually have the mark. If somebody gives you a trademark certificate, go onto the USPTO site and look yeah, up right. the number and see if it really exists, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, but, it's called due diligence. Yeah. Do a little due diligence. And if, <laughs> if the, if the claim is legit and you're infringing, you know, you, um, both copyright and trademarks can be infringed accidentally. Um, there's actually a doctrine in the copyright law called unintentional infringement. Now, the statutory penalty for unintentional infringement is still up to $30,000. So it's not a walk in the hay, but it's not $150,000 like for willful infringement. Right. Gotcha. So it's safe to say that copyright and trademark are two worlds apart? Completely different things. Completely different Exactly things. the same, only different. Exactly the same, only different. <laughs> okay, one thing I want to ask you, Al. Do you have a really good story? People listen, our listen, my listeners really love a good story. I have a lot of good stories. Without I'm giving sh- names. Not, with, I'm not sure I can tell the stories that I have. Um, <laughs> I have a client that runs a very successful, um, shall we say, adult entertainment business. Okay. Um, it's not porn. Uh, they run an on-premises club. Okay. And people go to this club to see and participate in various different sexually oriented things. Um, (laughs) They wanted to do a... So this is going to be a dirty story. No, it's not actually. That's the funny thing. It's got nothing to do with that. Okay. Um, They had a guy that was working for them as their webmaster. And uh, their webmaster was putting together, you know, ads for for their, uh, um, their website. And he went online and pulled a picture of a pretty girl off the website and put some nice text over it and stuck it up on the website. And it was, you know, like a, a, an early photo of like a Playboy Playmate of the Month. But he didn't know that because she was just some other uh. pretty blonde girl. And we didn't just get a cease and desist letter for that one. That one cost a lot of money to settle. Wow. Uh, that was uh, intentional use of her likeness. There was copyright infringement. There was all sorts of silly things involved in that. Um, moral of the story is if you're going to hire a webmaster, make sure that they know what they're doing because they can get you in a lot of trouble. Right. And that webmaster, webmaster didn't have two shekels to rub together, but the client did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One, you know, once again, I I always say, you know, you gotta, you gotta have an, you gotta be proactive with your legal stuff. 
And so if you get an attorney who's sharp and understands your industry and knows what you're doing, like don't get the wrong attorney. Don't just grab Uncle Bob who used to be who used to be an attorney for, for whatever and then he has nothing to do with your industry, has no training. That is a major mistake that people make over and over and over. Yeah. They have like their family lawyer or you know, like a, uh, their divorce lawyer. They right. Take a look at a contract that they're working on. And yeah, they did contracts in law school, but they may not know the, you know, the ins and outs, no pun intended, of your industry. Right, right, so. right, right. And yeah, it's just, it's so valuable. And a lot of people, I still tell people today, you know, you have to have the right person looking at this shit. You can't just have anybody look at it. So yeah, you, you don't go to a podiatrist yeah. when you need brain surgery. Right. So don't, uh, as a business owner, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta manage everybody constantly and everything. Yep. And that's, that's the best advice I can give right there. I'm trying to come up with a better story to tell that isn't in that side of the world. And I just don't have one. Well, in the meantime, we'll talk, let's talk about the uh, bullshit going on with Fox. <laughs> oh my God. So <laughs> what do you think? I, what, that's why I said that opening line to oh, you. Oh God. Um, <laughs> you know, so I am a first amendment lawyer. I do a lot of work in the intellectual property area, but my real love and tattooed around my arm is the first amendment. And so I am very well versed in defamation law. And one of the most important United States Supreme court cases out there is New York times versus Sullivan, uh, which makes it very, very difficult to sue somebody. Um, if you're a public figure, okay. Uh, it protects the media. The first amendment is really there to protect the media. And many times the media is saying stuff that you really don't want to hear. I mean, you may not like Fox or you may not like MSNBC, but if you think we should be able to shut one of those companies down because you don't like it, then you don't get the first amendment. The, the remedy for, for bad speech is good speech, not no speech. Censorship is a bad thing. That being said, Fox has really stepped in it. Yes, they have. Because when the, the way you can get around the New York Times versus Sullivan thing is you use their standard and they call that constitutional malice, actual knowledge of the falsity or reckless disregard for the truth. Okay. Yep. Now, if you're just a Joe Schmo person, all you have to show is negligence and damages. If you're a public figure and under these circumstances, I guess dominion would be considered a public figure. Um, they have to show constitutional malice. And that is usually really hard to do, except when the people that are on the air telling all these lies about them are telling their friends in emails and text messages, hey, I know this is bullshit, but it's it's right. keeping us you know, in good ratings, so we're going to keep slamming these guys. It's not about the red or blue, it's about the green. It's about the green. That's what Rupert Murdoch said. Yeah, well, he's about to lose a lot of green on that case. Yeah. A lot of green. And that, by the way, that's why I uh, asked you that first opening question today, because that has that's something to do with uh, the guests they were having on that show. Uh, uh, that Powell, that lawyer Powell. Oh, God. She, um, she apparently, she, it was either, it was her or one of the other uh, bullshit artists that kept going on Fox talking about all the nonsense. <laughs> and she said she was getting her information by someone who had really experienced time travel. That's why I asked you that question when you got here. I got to keep reminding these people that doing three hits of acid is not time travel. <laughs> um, you know, the lawyers are supposed to be officers of the court. And despite all the other crazy things I do in my world, when I step in front of a judge or when I'm dealing with a client, I have to be professional. And sometimes it's difficult, but I do it. And yeah, I'm still, you know, the class clown sometimes. I've gotten myself in big trouble in courtrooms with some judges when I'm just joking about stuff and they don't like that. Great story. Um, 
when the evil angel obscenity case was going on in DC, I flew back to DC because I was the first lawyer on the case. And Bob Corn Revere, who is a phenomenal First Amendment lawyer, he's like CBS's lawyer. This guy's a top-notch guy. And I are walking into the courtroom, and Bob looks at me and goes, now, I know you. I know you're a smartass. This judge does not like that shit. Don't do that stuff. He's going to be really pissed at you. I'm like, okay, I, got, I get it. I get it, Bob. I'm, I'm wearing a nice suit. I'm wearing nice shoes. I'm going to be okay. And we sit down in the judge's chamber, and he's you know comes out and is flipping through the stuff, and he looks over at us and goes, so what are we doing here? And I'm like, do you mean jurisdictionally or existentially? <laughs> I couldn't help myself. And Bob elbows me in the ribs and the judge, you know, puts his glasses down and he's like, Oh, you're that California lawyer I've been hearing about. Oh, that, yeah. That went badly from there on, but you know, we won the case. So all good. Oh, that's funny. So it's kind of like cousin Vinny. He shook your hand at the end. I actually did the, I'm done with this guy during that exact trial. And the judge at that point dismissed the jury and told me that if I do one more of those things, I better have a toothbrush with me, which is the judge's way of saying, I'm sending your ass to jail. If you don't knock it off. Has that Um, ever happened to you? No. Contempt. No. Is that a contempt charge? I've had, that is a contempt charge. I have been sanctioned once about a year and a half into my practice because I had switched to a different calendaring software and a hearing that I was supposed to be at didn't get transferred over somehow. And so the judge was like, oh, you know, you weren't here. And the other side showed up. So pay $120 in sanctions to the other lawyer. And that's the only time I've ever had any sort of real run in with a a judge or anything. Okay. So you're in good standing. Yeah. So, so far, so good. You know, trying to retire, having not lost a case and not going to jail. As I, as I have told you many times, the first law of my law practice is the lawyer doesn't go to jail. (laughs) Giuliani and all of these other wing nuts should have, should have listened to that. Yeah. I think think they're on their way. You know, it's hard to say, huh? It's hard to say. Um, There's a lot of shit going on out there. It's just, it's amazing. The lawyers aren't supposed to talk badly of the legal system, but if you got enough money, you can get away pretty much anything. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can just tie people up for years and years and years. And in the old, you know, phrase "justice delayed is justice denied" is true. Yeah, and so if you can make yourself a real pain in the ass to the judges, they just don't want to bother with you anymore. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Yeah, got it, got it. Uh, I know. And trademark. I know. Well, I'm not going to talk about copyright and trademark specifically. What I'm going to talk about is, and this is going to sound like a pitch to go out and spend money on lawyers, and that's exactly what it is. Uh, John mentioned it earlier. I'm going to mention it again. If you're a, you know, a proper running business, you should have a lawyer on retainer that does what you do and knows what you do and can keep you out of trouble. Because again, it is much easier and it is much less expensive to keep you out of trouble than to get you out of trouble.